0: course uh, the Roman Empire was not conducive to allowing Christianity to take place within its uh, government but as a result of that the Apostle Paul addresses even an empire that would persecute the church of the living God. Uh, The way that we are to respond to the government is just because we are Christians does not mean that we are to avoid government. Amen. you understand that? Some people say, well, I'm a part of the kingdom of God. I don't need to observe the government of this world. But that is not correct. Amen. So as Christians, we are not to avoid the government, uh, earthly government that is placed here. The only time that we should ever resist the government is if it goes against our Christian faith or something that is right. Amen. But as far as observing the laws of the land, abiding by the laws of the land, so on and so forth, we have a responsibility as the people of God to be good citizens. Amen. And to obey the laws of the land. You know, Brother Dice used to tell us this. He says, if you're not a good citizen, you won't be a good church member." That's the truth. Amen. Very rarely, I, I don't think I've ever seen a good church member that wasn't a good citizen. So you need, you and I need to take care of business in our life. Amen. We need to uh, be law-abiding citizens. Everybody said amen. All the law-abiding citizens said amen. We are not in anarchy. We are not the sons of anarchy. Amen. We're not trying to overthrow the Roman government or the government of the United States of America. We're not trying to do that. We are law-abiding citizens. The only time that we should resist that is if it goes against our faith. Amen? And if you break the law, hallelujah, as a Christian, then you should be willing to pay the consequences of breaking the law. Amen? If I get a speeding ticket, I'm not going to throw it on the ground and say, I'm a Christian. You can't give this to me. (laughs) They'll give it to you anyway and take you to jail. Say, praise the Lord. It is important that we have a good report, not only of those within, but those without. Say praise God. Amen. If we get into legal situations, we should have an influence upon those judges and legal systems and the government in a positive way. They should look at us and they should see that we are upstanding citizens. Hallelujah. In every area of our life, Christianity is not an excuse to be sloppy in our citizenship. Do you understand that? So the Apostle Paul is very, very careful here in addressing this. He tells us that if we resist the power, we're actually resisting the ordinance of God. And he goes on to say, you shall receive damnation. That means God will judge us in in the the time that we stand before His throne. He will judge us if we're not good citizens, law-abiding citizens. Praise the Lord. Now, I don't think I've got a problem with anybody in here understanding the importance of that. Amen? And if you don't understand that, then you're going to have a real struggle with law enforcement. Hallelujah. How many law-abiding citizens do we got in here? Let's see, just about all. I, don't see, I see one not lifting his hand. How many law-abiding citizens do we have in here? I'll be talking to you, boy. We're going to have trouble. <laughs> Amen? You and I have to be law-abiding citizens because if we don't, we're resisting the ordinance of God. We're not just resisting a, a government official. You are resisting God. That means you're in rebellion against God. You understand that that is the way the devil tries to overthrow the throne of God. Is anarchy in society. See, he knows that if he can, he can't throw God off the throne. He knows he can't remove God off of his throne. But he knows if he can create anarchy in society, anarchy in government, then he knows that that has something to do with removing the authority of God out of the land. The chaos and the confusion that takes place in the United States of America, amen? Some of it is nothing more than anarchy. And that is rebellion against the throne of God. It's not just rebellion against the government. It's rebellion against the throne of God. Amen. It's the, the way the devil seeks to dethrone God Almighty. So listen, hallelujah. As your pastor, I will tell you, you better get it together in this area. Praise the Lord. It's very important. It's not just important to me. It's important to God Almighty. Hallelujah. Amen. How many of y'all believe that? I don't want to receive, receive damnation. I don't want to receive judgment. I think think this fellow over here just joking with me today because he's always, you know, he's always cutting up with me. Hallelujah. We're going to find out. We're going to make sure. Amen. Thank God for law-abiding citizens. Well, I don't want to be a law-abiding citizen. When you get thrown in jail, I'm not coming to visit you. You said, Oh, you come visit me, Pastor. No, I don't have time. Why won't you come visit me? Why won't you write me? Because I don't have time. You know better. You should not be in prison. God, God is not raising a bunch of delinquents. Amen. Say, praise the Lord. All the delinquents said Amen. Amen. There's another one. You want to go back to eating peanut butter? Hallelujah. We were talking to her the other day about doing some fasting, you know, and so she texted me. She said, How long should I fast, Pastor? I said, Oh, about three months. She said, well, she says, can I, can I ha- eat vegetables? And I said, no, you can only eat peanuts. And she said, well, it, can I at least have peanut butter? I, that's what I ate when I was in jail. I said, no, you can't have peanut butter. You can only have peanuts. Yeah, you don't want to go back to eating peanut butter, do you? Hallelujah. <laughs> if you're not a delinquent, say amen. Yeah. Amen. Good saints, good Christians. See the church I pastor. Good law-abiding citizens. Hallelujah. Praise God. Never causing any trouble for anybody. Amen. Thank God for you. I got a challenge pastoring in Odessa, Texas. Right? You know what? That's one thing I've never done is gone to jail. I've done a lot of things, but I've never gone to jail. Have y'all been to jail? If you've been to jail, lift your hands. I just want to know who you are. Hallelujah. Look at all these jailbirds. Now you know what I mean. Pray for me. Now, have you been in jail more than one time? Lift your hand. Oh, my. See, I didn't know that about some of you. How many of y'all have been in jail more than two times? The same people. I'm not even going there. How did you get out? How did you get out? They should have put you in as a sociopath. Hey, praise the Lord. <laughs> you can't do anything with this person. Throw them in there, throw the key away. We tried. Hallelujah. Amen. Y'all pray for me. See what I'm saying? See what I'm saying? Amen. No, hey, this is really important. It is important to God. Hallelujah. Now, I can't tell you that I never exceed the speed limit. I I do sometimes. But if I get the ticket, I'm not going to throw it on the ground and say, I'm a Christian. You can't give this to me. I'm going to, well, if I can't get out of it, I'm going to pay for it. Right? Say amen. So when you have time, take some time to to read these verses. They're pretty self explanatory, okay, about the importance of, of being good citizens, and obeying the governing authorities, civil authorities. He tells us that if we obey them, if we are law-abiding citizens, then we won't be afraid of them. So you don't have to be afraid of the policeman if you're a law-abiding citizen. Amen. But if you're breaking the law, I don't know, maybe some of us just, we're paranoid. Right? I mean, I'm kind of that way. I'm kind of paranoid. I drive by a police officer and I start getting nervous. You know what I mean? And especially some of you have been in there three or four times or more. You're real paranoid, man. You know what I'm saying? You get one coming up behind you, and then I keep looking in the rearview mirror. Are they going to pull me over, you know? So, hallelujah. And Paul goes on to say, if you're doing what's right, you don't have to fear. It's only if you're not doing what's right then, then you need to fear, right? Say praise the Lord. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. I mean, I don't want to hear about you on the news, in the newspaper, news broadcast. They flash your picture on the news say, Hey, there's brother. Hallelujah, man. I mean, you know, I try to help just about anybody, really just about anybody. I try to help just about anybody. But I've been in those situations to help, try to help somebody Multiple offenses, you know. In and out of jail, in and out of jail. One day, they got out. he on, on the news again. And I'm going, hey, I know him. <laughs> He's a member of our church. Don't tell him, brother. You know. I don't want to see your face on the news. Hallelujah. If they, if, they, if you get face on the news, they call me. Do you know him? I don't know him. seen them a few times I don't know. no. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. God is good. You break the law and I find out about it, you know, I mean I'm your pastor and I love you, but I'm they might find out that I might turn you in. Okay? So y'all be good boys and good girls. Okay? Look at your neighbor and say, be a good boy. Be a good girl. Good boy, good boy. Good boy. Good girl. Hallelujah. If people call me and ask me about you, I always tell them the truth. I'm not like some pastors. Oh, they're the greatest thing on the planet, man. They're wonderful, man. Yeah, I do. Oh, awesome. Yeah, I know. I, I tell them. I tell them. Oh, you know, if I was in your shoes, I'd be careful. <laughs> Are you with me? <laughs> Praise the Lord. I'm not one of your pastors that just, you know, lie. I, I tell him you know, i I'd be careful, man, around here. <laughs> my goodness, I gotta watch my back. <laughs> say amen. Look at your neighbor and say, submit the governing officials. It's important. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank God, thank God. Now if you get thrown in jail because you're a Christian, that's different. If you get thrown in jail because you're serving Jesus Christ, that's different. That's persecution. And that happened in the early church, amen? And it, I'm sure it still goes on in different nations in the world. But that's different. It's not because you're you're trying to create anarchy or whatever, break the law and, and create a problem. Amen. <clears throat> God literally calls these governing officials ministers. They're ministers of God. Not in the sense that they stand behind the pulpit and preach, but they are servants of God. You've got to understand that servants of God. If it wasn't for the police force, for the most part, can you imagine the anarchy to be in society? People breaking in, stealing from you, killing you, raping you, all these things, man. At least we've got something to stem that tide of evil. See, God has chosen that human government after the fall of man to put some kind of restraint on the evil nature that's in man. Everybody's got a fallen sin nature, man. God, And if you're not going to live for God, God's got to put something. He's got to put a sword in the hand of somebody. And he goes on and explains that in Romans 13. He doesn't bear the sword in vain. Execution, all right? Pay the price. I I believe in capital punishment. I believe in capital punishment. The right offense, the right right situation, capital punishment. That's the Bible, Genesis chapter 9. Okay, after the flood, human government was set up. If you shed man's blood by man, shall your blood be shed. That's the word of God. The problem is today we have these politicians, they're nothing more than politicians. They don't care about law, law or, or anything like that. It's just about anarchy. You understand what I'm telling you? Say praise God. So we need to be law-abiding citizens. God had to put a sword in somebody's hand to restrain the evil that's in unbelievers. How many know there's some wicked, evil people out there? Very, very evil people out there so god had to put a sword in somebody's hand they are ministers of god to execute so to enforce at least some measure of law in society and i thank god that we're not a lawless society and we're not a lawless church either that doesn't you know that means you can't come in here and do whatever you want to do whenever you want to do it without accountability there has to be government in the church right and I, I do not like to be put in a position, you know, where I have to pass judgment on situations, discipline and all of that. I don't like to be in that position, but I have to, as a pastor, sometimes have to enforce. Because if I don't, man, you talk about a mess coming in here. We've another chaos and confusion and disorder. We'd have a bunch of goats on the pew and not sheep. So, I mean, it's it's not a fun place to be in. All right? Say Amen. Verse 5, wherefore you must needs be subject not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake, before this cause pay you tribute, and then he goes on down, and he talks about taxes. So not only are we supposed to be law-abiding citizens and submit to governing authorities of Christians, amen, but he tells us that we are responsible for paying our taxes. That doesn't mean that you can't take your tax exemptions, right? You're not in violation of this scripture if when you at the end of the year fill your taxes and the government says you can get an exemption for this or for that, you are wise to take those exemptions. You know. I hear these people talk about some of these real rich people. Well, I I I want to pay more taxes. I want to pay more taxes. Really? You want to pay more taxes? Oh. Man, I'm gonna tell you something. The less tax I can pay. That's what I'm going to do. I, I'm not going. I'm not going to pay taxes, you know. Say praise the Lord if I don't have to. So when you get ready to do your taxes, take your tax exemptions. There's nothing wrong with that. But according to the Word of God, and He goes on, He talks about these different kinds of taxes. And if you want the detailed teaching of these passages, get the messages from a few years ago. I broke down. I went through all the tax taxation process and everything, and you can get that and learn. And I'm not going to cover that. I'm just to let you know. There are various taxes that you and I are responsible for. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen? How many of y'all pay your taxes? The ones do. I mean, the ones that you need to. And take your exemptions. Hallelujah. But pay your taxes. Well, I don't believe it's legal for them to take tax from me. And and I'm going to prove that it's not right for the government to take taxes from me. And, you know, well, guess what? You might be right. It, you might be right that it, they should not be able to take taxes from you. You might be right, but guess where you're going to be? Your home is going to be the jail cell. I'm a conscientious protester, said somebody. I don't believe that we got to pay taxes. It's not right if we're going to pay taxes. Well, according to the Word of God, we have a responsibility to ta- pay the taxes. Say Hallelujah. God is good. How many of y'all pay your taxes? Now, we, I'm going to close my eyes based on the results I had in the last question I asked. How many of you pay your taxes? I'm not even looking at this man. Really? Miracle. Pay your taxes, that's good. It's the Bible, right? And then after he covers those issues about Uh, human government and then taxation then he talks about a debt that we owe verse 8 owe no man anything but to love one another for that he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law okay next thing he talks about is don't owe people money this doesn't mean that you can't go out and get in the contract and make a loan that's not what it means when it says owe no man nothing own oh, no man, anything. That means when the payment comes due, you pay the payment. If you can't pay the payment when the payment comes due, you have a moral, brothers and sisters, a moral responsibility to contact the people that you owe the money to and make arrangements with them. Don't just let the water bill come and go. They're going to turn your water off. Just don't let the electric bill just come and go. They're going to turn your electricity off. You as a response. The Bible tells you if you enter into contracts with people as a Christian to pay a certain amount of money, you have a responsibility. And it's not just about economics. It's a moral responsibility to pay your bills. Amen? And if you can't make the payment, sometimes people fall on hard times, you need to make arrangements with that creditor. They should not be having to come in the middle of the night picking up your car, dude. Amen? If, if you're going to get your car repossessed, you can't make the payment. You can't make arrangements to make the payment. You take that car to the designated place. You give them the keys and you voluntarily surrender the car. You don't have them come pick up your car in the middle of the night. Because what's going to happen to you is they're going to tack on the repo charges on top of that. They're going to tack on the detail to wash the car, to clean it all up. They're going to put all of that on top of it. And guess what? When they take that to auction and they sell that car, you're still responsible for the deficit. Amen? So they take a $20,000 car. They add the repo charges to it, say, $1,000. I don't know what it is now. It used to be around 500 Because I know a little bit about this because I used to be in the banking industry, and I know what I'm talking about. I used to be involved in collections and um, uh, loan officer-type work. And so I know what this is about. I used to have to make collections from people. Man, they hide the cars that dig big holes and put them in the ground before the bank can pick them up. Are you with me? I remember one day, this lady, she wouldn't pay for her air conditioner. They sent me from the credit union, you know, that I was working at. They sent me over there to go go talk to her about paying for her, her air conditioner. we going to pick it up. And she looked me right in the face and told me that wasn't her. And I knew that was her, but she lied to me. And I'm not that woman. okay. So I'm just telling you, I know a little bit about what I'm talking about on a practical level as well. If you get in a financial bind situation... You can't pay your bills. You might want to talk to me, because maybe I can give you a little information, a little knowledge that you might not have, and how to make arrangements. Amen. To get that taken care of. Y'all, y'all want to hear about my past life before I was pastoring? You know, oh yeah, I've done a lot of things: collections, auto mechanics, I've done a lot of things. Hallelujah! So help me to become a better pastor. So I'm just going to tell you right now, oh no man anything. That means it's not it's okay to enter into contracts and and borrow money, but you are responsible to not owe that payment when it comes due. And that means you call them up and say, Hey, I can't make the payment, you know, on the car right now. Can you accelerate the payment? That means take the payment that I owe right now, put it at the end of the note, and I'll pay the I'll pay the uh, interest for that month and the banks will be glad to work with you. They'll take your payment, but at the end of the note, you pay the interest for that month, and you're good. Okay? So there's a lot of things that they can do to help you. Instead of you, you know, driving off down the street with guns blaring, come get my car. You Try, try to come get my car. Amen. Y'all all all right? Look at your neighbor and say, oh, no man, anything. Oh, no man, anything. Hallelujah. They come get your car in the middle of the night. Don't tell them you go to Bible Center Fellowship. (laughs) Amen. They call me and ask where you are. I'm going to tell them. You think he'll be here on Sunday morning at church in his car? I said, yeah, come get it, dude. shouldn't be happening, right? Amen. So the first thing I'm going to try to do, I'm going to try to be a good pastor, and I'm going to try to help you out. I'm going to try to give you some little advice. Amen? And uh, it's always going to be to direct you to the people that you owe the money to. Hallelujah. So make sure you get it covered. Got it covered. Let your and say, got it covered. You, you live like this. You're not a good citizen. You owe everybody money. Everybody, You owe everybody money. And you come to church, you're not going to have power sitting in that pew. You're not going to have any power. Your walk with God is going to be devastated. You don't have to live like that. Take care. Of, look, you never say take care of your business. Hallelujah. We've got, got people, they don't know how to take care of their business. They're not good at business. You need to learn to take care of your business. Amen. I can pull my credit score up right now. My credit score is around 800 or better. 800 or better. Okay? And if I've ever missed a payment, I don't remember it. Sister Christina might, she didn't tell me. As far as I know, I've never missed a payment. That's a miracle, man. Hallelujah. I'm 30-something. No, I'm 50-something years old. Now you're lying. I'm 50 something years old, man. I've never missed a payment, as far as I know. Hallelujah. If I missed it, you know, just we forgot to pay it or whatever. We made quick arrangements to get that taken care of. We send it right out of the bank, you know. We just call them up and say, okay, draft the account. Man, sorry, we overlooked this credit card payment, you know. And most of the time, they don't even charge me any kind of penalty because it might have been a, a mistake, an honest mistake. There's some honest mistakes. You're not trying to beat out somebody. Amen. So you can pull my credit score and you can see I'm a good citizen. You can see what I preach to you. I live. I live it. Hallelujah. If we ever have, if we ever fall on hard times, I'm going to do everything I can to make sure I take care of my business. It's important for us to have a good, amen, reputation. Somebody said amen. Yeah, you're quiet this morning. This is the Bible. Oh no, man! Any Now somebody. Said, well, brother, will you loan me fifty dollars? I'll pay you back at the end of the week, man. You know, if you loan me fifty dollars, <throat> and so you entered into an agreement, a handshake, to pay his fifty dollars back by the end of the week. And just because he's your brother in the Lord, doesn't mean you can forget the deal. Well, he's he's a brother. He'll forgive. We don't. I don't have to pay him back. It's no big deal. You know, he's my brother, and we 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 good. We good. No, the brother over here that you borrowed the money for, he not good. You could talk about we good all day long. He not good. And every time he sees you, he might be a millionaire. But it's the principle of the thing. Every time he sees you in church, he's going to be sitting over there thinking, that brother owes me $50. That brother's a liar. That brother's a thief. Right? Somebody said amen? Well, and the brother that owes said, well, he's a millionaire. He don't need it anyway. That's not the point. You said you'd pay the brother this $50 back. You ought to pay him fifty and give him another fifty on top. And I mean, if he wants to say, "Don't worry about the extra," then that's fine. You don't have to give it to him, but at least you ought to have enough. You know, to say, "Hey, I'm gonna give you a little extra, man, because I appreciate you loaning me the money." That's one of them quiet services, one, <clears throat> right? You want me to preach on the book of Revelation where everybody's worshiping and praising God before the throne? Yeah, powerful pastor. When I get practical like this. Ooh. Chirp, chirp, right? Oh, no man, anything. But there's something that we do. Oh, and that is to love everybody. We are to love our neighbors and not only are we supposed to worship well, Romans 12, but we are to love well. Look at your neighbor and say, love well. That's what we owe. We have a debt to love each other. That it's not a one-way street. This is not the Dead Sea. Where you get all the love and you don't give any back. Right? I just don't understand why people don't like me. Well, are you a dead sea? You only want to receive all the time. You never want to give out. Hallelujah. Why are y'all so quiet? You're listening. One of them listening services. Y'all don't want to hear about this. You didn't know that was in the Bible, did you? You didn't know you're supposed to honor and and obey government officials and pay your taxes and, and pay... Your bills—you didn't know that was in the Bible, did you? You did, didn't you? Okay. Like just about everything else, it don't matter, does it? It's in the Bible or not? (laughs) Look, he never say he loves us. God is good. God is good. So we do have a debt, and that is to love. So, O no man anything but to love one another, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. And then after he deals with these practical things about government, about taxes, about debt, and so on and so forth, then he talks about the future salvation that we're looking for. And verse 11, And that knowing the time, that now is it high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation near. Then we believe that salvation he's talking about is not current salvation. It's talking about future salvation when the Lord returns. And he says that our salvation, that future salvation is a lot nearer than when we believe. It is a lot closer than you and I realize. And he said as a result of that future salvation, the day of the Lord, when the Lord comes back and he's going to judge evil. Not just the evil that's in the world. He's going to judge the sin that's in the church. And He's going to reward those that are obedient along the lines of human government paying their taxes and paying their debts. That's all part of it. Amen? So He goes on and He says, And then knowing the time, now it is high time to awake out of sleep. That means it's time to respond. Okay, the word sleep here means that you're in a stupor. You're in a place in your life where you've stopped responding. Amen? There's a lot of people who are asleep in the pew. That doesn't mean they're physically asleep. It means they have stopped responding to God and the Word of God. And he said, it's time for you to wake up. It's time for you to get out of that stupor. It's time for you to start responding to the Word of God. Be not deceived, brother. God is not mocked. Whatsoever sort of man soweth that shall he also reap. And I, I'm going to tell you, uh, you need to pray. And I'll say this again maybe tonight. For the last week or so, God has been speaking to me every day. He's telling me there's something in this church that's not right. And I'm not talking about little things. Normally when God speaks to me about something on this level, where He constantly every day I wake up, He puts this in my spirit, something not right in that church. That means there's something that somebody's doing in this church behind the back of the pastor that is very wrong. And I know by the Spirit of God, when God puts that in me and my spirit over and over and over, day after day after day, there's something big time in the church that's going on that's not right. So you need to pray as a church. You need to make sure that you're legit and all of your dealings in life, you're legit. There's no funny business going on, alright? Because I'm telling you, God would not put that in my spirit if there was nothing going on. Alright? And In times past, I've wrestled with that. Lord, is this just me? You know, and it doesn't get outwardly exposed for a while. Then I find out, no, that was you, God. So I've learned when God speaks to me to come to you and tell you, make sure you got your stuff because it doesn't matter what this church has gone through in the past. I will uphold, always uphold what is right. Amen? I will correct. Nobody's going to put me in a situation where I won't correct you. I'll correct you. All right. Because I have to. So you have to understand something. God is always going to stand on right. If it's human government that's right, He's going to stand on human government. Amen? If you don't pay your taxes, you're going to stand on the tax agent's side. If you owe somebody debt and you're not paying it, you're supposed to, He's going to to stay on the side of the person that you owe because God always stands on the side of that which is right. If you're not right today, tonight, this morning, if you're not right in your life with God, God is saying to you, He's not mocked. Whatever you sow, that shall you also reap. advise you I just take care of business hallelujah so it don't have to get severe amen you cover it up you hide it you keep doing things wrong I'm talking about big stuff not small big stuff it's going to get it's going to explode no it's going to be it's going to hurt all right so praise the Lord hallelujah make sure you're legit So we need to wake up. Look at your neighbor and say, wake up. We need to wake up. We need to get out of this stupor mode to where we come to the house of God and we're like zoning. No response. You know, the Word of God goes forth, tells you right and wrong, your pastor deals with you, tells you what's right and wrong, and you won't respond to it. Amen? We have, when we come to the house of God we have a responsibility to respond to the Word of God in our life. We can't just come in here and zone. Look your neighbor and see if they're zoning, and ask them, "Are you zoning?" He's zoning. Where are you? You're an astronaut this morning. You're in outer space somewhere. Everything's all right, though, right? We good. We good. No, we not good. never say wake up. you got an extra hour of sleep today you ought to be really doing good. Wake up. The day of the Lord is a lot nearer than we than we realize. The coming of the Lord is a lot closer than we realize when God is going to judge and judgment is going to begin in the house of God. It's not going to start out there in the world. The judgment of God is going to start right in the house of the living God. God is going to clean house. He's going to walk into His temple with flames of fire. He's going to throw tables over. He's going to drive animals out. Amen. He's going to leave the dove because that's a type of the Holy Ghost. He's going to leave the Holy Ghost. But He's going to overthrow some tables. Money changers. Things are not right in His house. What will you do when the Lord comes to His temple? What are we going to do if He comes to my temple, my life, my body? What are you going to do when the Lord comes to this temple? And he starts throwing stuff over. I want to tell you something. You need to thank God that you're in this church. Because I can, if we deal, listen, listen. If we deal with what we deal with here, with the word that comes forth from this pulpit, the insanity sometimes that we deal with here, can you imagine in some churches the chaos and confusion that is there that is not dealt with? That don't mean the Lord's not going to come in there and overthrow some tables and do some house cleaning. Look at your neighbor and help me preach. What will you do when Jesus comes to your temple? i tell you what He's going to do. And He's done it in the past. He'll come in here and He'll clean this house. Because this church belongs to Jesus Christ. It doesn't belong to the pastor. He will come in here and He'll clean this place. He'll purge this house. Amen? He will. Well, you can't blame the devil for it either. It'll be the Lord. He'll clean his house. Hallelujah. So the ultimate day of the Lord comes when He sits and books are open. There's a judgment that takes place upon the church the great uh, at the famous seat of the Lord. I believe that, the day of the Lord. He's talking about it here, but also a time of judgment when He comes into the church. It's a lot nearer than you first believed. Hallelujah. Now, I don't know about you, but when the Lord comes to His temple, I want to still be standing. I still want to be here. Okay? Well, I'll just go change churches. I'll go somewhere else. He's going to go in that one too. And when he does, it's going to be worse. Okay? Because in some cases, he's going to remove false leadership. He's going to remove people that are wrong in leadership. He's not just going to clean house in the pew. He's going to clean house in the pulpit. And some of his churches, those preachers aren't preaching the word of God. It's going to be worse. The Judgment of God coming on them. It already has in some cases. Okay? And I'm not preaching this out of vengeance. It's not about that. It's about the Word of God. It's about reality. Look at your neighbor and say, what will you do when Jesus comes to this temple? He's going to clean house, buddy. He's a holy God. Amen? God is not mocked whatsoever man sows that shall he also reap We come on I love you but we can, we can come in here and sit down and act like good Christians good little Christians and our life is nothing but total chaos and confusion full of darkness amen we're not taking care of business we're not good citizens so on and so forth you get the point right Hallelujah. What would would you do? What will you do when Jesus comes to His temple? What would you do today if Jesus knocked on the door of your house? Could He even get through the door? If He got through the door, what would He find on the ground? Would He find trash everywhere? Would he find overflowing trash cans and moldy food? Heard about it the other day. My wife was telling me the other day about a man. He had a gun supposedly leaning against the couch and the little girl beside him, the gun fell over and went off, went through the wall and shot his wife in the leg. The police went to do the inspection there, do the report. They couldn't even hardly get it in the house. There was feces laying on the ground, trash everywhere. I ask you, what will you do when Jesus comes to your house? You have your house is your house clean? Hallelujah. Somebody said amen. It's not right. I'm just telling you, we can come in here and all day long act like good little Christians. I'm good. We good. We good. We good, God. I'm not trying to be facetious or mean. I don't, I don't want to be mean to you. But we need to get it together. I need to get it together. You're dealing with God. God was so holy in the Old Testament. He said, get you a shovel. And when you have to relieve yourself, go outside of the camp, dig your hole with your shovel, relieve yourself and cover up your stuff. Because God says, I dwell in the midst of this camp and I don't want that stuff laying around. I'm a holy God. He's a pure God. He's a clean God. He's a holy God. It's about time for you to get a shovel in your hands, go dig a hole, and bury your stuff in that hole because God is a holy God and He's not going to put up with your stuff. It is time for us to clean house physically, spiritually, the church of the living God in your homes. I can go right now. I can go open the door of your car and I can tell you what kind of person you are. Trash. Open the door. Trash rolls out. Brand new car. Looks like it's 30 years old. I don't have to surprise you one day by visiting you Knock on your door. Who's there? Pastor. And hear noise in the background. Stand there. 30 minutes go by. Hour. Come on in, Pastor. Oh, thank you. I was about to get sunburned out here. Amen. What will we do when Jesus comes to power him? Is our financial life together? Are y'all with me here? Are we good neighbors? Are we good Christians? Are we good citizens? Are we good church people? Hallelujah. Somebody said amen. I'm telling you, brothers and sisters. See, I see you come in here. You look great, by the way. Everybody looks great. You look wonderful you really do man when you come in here you look like we got it together but what about your house would Jesus feel welcome in your house would he feel welcome in your house what if Jesus you talk about your pastor knocking on the door what if Jesus came to your house there if he's in you he lives there and he has to look at that stuff every day he says don't you understand in the Old Testament I told them to get their shovel and to bury it outside of the camp because I'm a holy God clean it up look at your name and say clean it up Oh, Pastor, you should say this. Us, he said, You know, when I come to your house, I ought to be able to lay on the carpet. Or whatever you got. <laughs> you got a dirt floor. I ought to be able to lay on the dirt floor because dirt floor is so clean. Amen? Goodness, man. I mean, you don't want to even lay on your old carpet. You know, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. <laughs> you know, I always remember in those days I was single. And I wasn't in those days before I got married. I got married, you know. I know I got married, right? I got married at 23. But I was single and I was living with a bunch of lunatics. You know, I'd uh, written out to some of my friends. And they'd come and, you know, they, they moved in. I'm written out to them, you know, before I get married. Man, that house, sometimes it wasn't the cleanest house. I promise you. It wasn't my fault. It was my live-in friends. Well, I have to take part. I have to take part of the blame, right? Realistically, <laughs> I remember one time my pastor came to see me. You know, and opened the door, he walked in, and he sat down in a chair, and all of a sudden he goes, <laughs> "Might have been a little roach or something." <laughs> I mean you know what I'm saying so praise the Lord I thank God for my wife she's a really clean freak so I don't really I never worry about who might drop in you know at any time because she's got everything in place but I'll never forget that man my pastor I didn't ask him what what he was doing because I knew what he was doing I mean, in those days, some of them grew and grew and grew. They were so big, some of them, they'd carry your table off. Some of them were so big, man, they'd open the front door and start moving furniture out for you. Would, you know what I'm saying? But that, that, You know, that's back like when I was a teenager. Young adult, anyway. <laughs> Say praise the Lord. Well, I finally got myself together. A lot of help from my wife. Hallelujah. A lot of help from my wife. Anybody all right? So I mean, you know, I'm not beating you up too bad. I know why I've been there. But you know, at some point, you got to get it together. Yeah. Amen. And my father-in-law went to our house in those days, you know, when Christina got married. I was going to move her into that house, man, and and uh, it was a rental house I was renting from my mom I was going to move her into this house and so I' doing my best with with the lack of help that I had from my friends to try to clean it up and make it look nice from the bride you know to be and uh, <clears throat> mr Zuniga walked in there and I don't know I think he's looking at the the dryer or something you know it had lint you know I don't know nothing I man I'm a boy I mean man you know don't know nothing about cleaning lint out of dryers and stuff and the importance of I don't know nothing about that. But anyway, I think you saw all that lint everywhere, you know. And he Christine, I wasn't there yet. And he went home since Christine was at the house, you know. And he goes, Mia, no. Mia, no. No. No, Miha Somebody said, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Woo, thank you, Jesus, man. I need a lot of rehabilitation. I did, I did. I'm not beating you up, man, I know. But at some, at some point, you, you change, you grow, you, you you find out what you need to do in life. Amen? I, really, I, I mean, so I've been there. Praise God. I was so dumb in those years, 18 to 20-something years. I was so dumb. I'd get my bill. Now, I always paid my bills. I was so dumb. I'd get my bill in the mail, the electric bill, the water bill. Well, I didn't have a checking account because I lived from check to check. So I didn't have a checking account. What a checking account. I wouldn't even have to write a check, man. And so when I'd get the bills, I'd pay it. I'd get my check on a Friday, I'd go and cash it, I'd get the cash, throw it in the drawer, take my tithe out. First thing I'd do, take I am smart, at least knowing i do that. Take the tithe off the top, you know. Always did that. Then what I had left I'd pay my bills with. I was so dumb. I threw the, the bill, the payment stuff, uh, the bill, you know, the invoice in the in the envelope, and I counted out the money. Let's say the bill was twenty five dollars and thirty cents. $25, count that $25, I put $0.30 cents in change in it. Well, I, I couldn't figure out what was going on because they weren't ever getting the payment. When I said, "What well, I mailed it to you just the other day. said, how'd you mail it? Well, I mailed cash, $25.30. That's where it went, sir. They never got it. They opened the, opened the mail and put it in their pocket. Somebody did Really? Well, I can't believe they do that. Yeah, so I mean, got a checking account and I stopped that. But I'm just looking at a dumb, that one dumb preacher. <laughs> Thank God I didn't start pastoring until I was older. Like 27 years of age, man. Can you imagine what kind of pastor I'd have be been at 23? Man, 18 to 23? Thinking you pay your bills cash and change in the mail. What are y'all laughing about? You still do that. Say so you understand what I'm telling you? So when I get up here and I preach like I do, you know, it, yeah, I mean, you know, but I'm a changed man. Look at you can never say, I'm a changed man. If you're a woman, say I'm a changed woman. <laughs> Hallelujah! So, you know, you come in here and, you know, you think you got, you're beating the system. Yeah. I I know you pretty well. Yeah. Amen. I shouldn't even told on myself like that. I I shouldn't ever, I shouldn't ever told you how stupid I was. Know me (laughs) off. Say amen. Times have changed. Thank God. No, but seriously, what if the Lord shows up at your temple? What's he gonna find? What's he gonna find? I love it. Would he feel comfortable there? Would he feel comfortable there? And you have the Holy Ghost. He lives on the inside of you. You take him everywhere you go. Amen. Everything you do, he's there. Everything you say, he hears. Amen. Everything you give yourself to, he's aware of it. Everything. And the trick of the enemy is to just to put us in a stupor, man. So, again, you know, I told you some of that to let you know I'm not just beating you up. I love you. But we need at some point, don't you think, brother and sister, at some point we need to grow up? Really, come on. Come on, man. We, we really do at some point need to need to grow up. I'm 55 years old. If I am still doing that at 55 years old, you need to take me out and shoot me. No, really. Some of you are not, you know, teenagers anymore. It's time for you to grow up and mature. Amen? You men need to man up. You need to be a man. Take care of your, your wife. Take care of your children. Take care of your home. Amen? Bring sufficient money home so they can pay their bills. So they're not embarrassed all the time. Hallelujah. Man up. you got responsibilities now. You're not, you, when you get married, you can't keep living like you're single. You're a married man now. Say praise the Lord. Man up. Woman up. Now you got a clean house. I know you don't like food. you got clean house. Make sure. Hallelujah. Food is on table. Amen. look beautiful. At all at the same time, we have high expectations, don't we? Right. Want the house clean, best food on the table, man, you, and looking good too. We want you looking beautiful. Hallelujah. Right. High expectations. <laughs> You know, I'm going to be honest with you. God's still working on me. He's still working on me. And He's still working on you. But you got to let Him work on you. And you got to respond. 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 Stop. Come on. Stop making excuses for yourself. Stop it. At some point, you got to stop making excuses for yourself. Yeah, well, just me. It's time for us to wake up. It's time for us to get out of that stupor. That we find ourselves. You know. We can go hide in a cave somewhere. But it's not going to change. God's going to deal with you. God's going to deal with me. Hallelujah. You might as well let Him deal with you in the house of God. Judgment begins at the house of God. What will you do when He comes to His temple? What you do is you sit there and you let Him clean your house. You let Him work in your life. You let Him deal with you. You let Him change you. You're willing to grow up. You're willing to mature as a human being. You're willing to learn to be responsible. Right? We live in a monolithic society which means people want to go to church. I'm talking about religiously speaking, monolithic, religiously speaking. They want to go to church where everybody likes them. They don't want to go to a church where they are corrected in a good way. I just want to go to church where I'm made to feel good, monolithic. I want to go to church where everybody in the church likes me. I want to go to a church. You should want to go to a church that's going to correct you in a good way. It's going to help you. Hallelujah. In your life. So I appreciate you. I'm just telling you, the Holy Ghost has been speaking to me. There's something going on. And I've told you this before. God always uncovers it. Because when he comes to his house, he will clean the house, and when he does, you don't want to be a part of the cleaning. Okay? I don't either. I want to be still, standing. Here. But he loves me. Yes, he loves you. But he don't put up with foolishness. A lot of stuffs going on, foolishness. Hallelujah. But I appreciate you coming here today. And, and you know, let me, let, let me talk to you. Let me speak to you the word of God. Hallelujah. I appreciate that. So I'm not going there. He's just going to you know, correct me. I don't like to be corrected. You're never going to make, you're never going to be anything in life. You, you have to come to an, a, a realization at some point you don't have it together completely in every area he got say you know I got it I don't I'm a pastor I'm still telling you god's still working on me you get to a place where I got it all together I mean we good no no he's still working on me knowing the time he said that you can know the time you can know that's an hour class statement you can know the time now is the our salvation near, knowing the time, that now is, is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believe The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. Do we understand that when we are living for the Lord, we are standing in constant light? The light is on us. And the works of darkness, we're to cast those works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly. I, I could spend a lot of time preaching this, but I've got, a, I've got a ways to go here, so I've got to get done. Let us walk honestly in the day. let never say be honest. No, number one, when you're walking in the light, you are going to be honest. When you walk in the light, you're going to be lying all the time. Liars are not going to be in heaven. Honest, as in the not in rioting. What is rioting? Everybody, yeah. We used to, you know, before Christ, BC, is where we used to live. But as a Christian, as a Christian, should we be living this way? Rioting means wild parties. It means orgiastic kind of. On, if I look up at me.. The world, this is the way the world is. They live in one orgiastic wild party after another. And as a Christian, we're walking in the light, we cannot be involved in these wild, orgiastic kind of lifestyles. You know it's ridiculous. Be surprised. You probably wouldn't be surprised. You probably you honestly you probably know it better than I do, to be honest with you. Doesn't make me better than you, but you probably know it better than I do. The the type of lifestyles that people live, swingers man They get together and trade wives trade husbands off. Orgiastic, sexual, wow. God says it's it's a work of darkness. And He's telling you, the day of the Lord is coming. And He's not just going to judge the people in the world that are doing these things. He's going to judge the church people for doing these things. Judgment begins at the house of God. We better judge it here, brothers and sisters. Look at me, and I thank God. And I'm going to tell you this. And my wife, when he says this, she says, "I respect people who are still in this church." Brother Hector, I love you. So thankful you for you, man. My wife respects you man he knows everybody knows what he did he knows see that's the thing most everybody don't know what we've done church knows what happened to him what he and his wife have gone through but that man owned it that man repented that man stayed in the house you got my respect brother not I don't judge you that's already been judged you have my respect you handle it the right way. You have my wife's respect, and I'm sure you have the church's respect as well, man. And I know the enemy would love to just beat you up every time you come in here. But that's that's not what I'm I'm saying. You're that's under the blood. Amen. You 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 experience your judgment, my brother. Hector, you experience your judgment. Some of them didn't. You're out, man, and they're still doing this day. I'm not just mouthing off. Okay. So I'm just telling you, if you're a Christian, God says, understand, the day of the Lord is near. It's nearer than when you first believed. This wild, orgiastic sexual orgies and sex with All these different people, God said, I'm going to judge. So The best thing you can do is judge yourself. Judgment begins at the house of God. Put it under blood. Amen. If we fail, I say we, if we fail in the area of sexuality, we've lost the battle of life. That battle has to be won. I'll say it again. If we fail in the area of our sexuality, we have lost the battle of life. Because that is the greatest battle that you'll Sexuality. And God calls the church to be pure. He calls the church to be holy. We should not and cannot ever be involved with orthiastic sexual types of lifestyles. Amen? You get married. You enjoy each other to the fullest. To the fullest. There's very few limitations in the Word of God when it comes to your sexuality in marriage. Enjoy each other to the fullest. Okay? But outside of marriage, stay away. I am not your God, but I don't know what God... See, okay, so something happens. Well, you remember know, David... David kept living for the Lord, right? Kept living for the Lord, but there's some consequences that came. He lost his child. You might make it to heaven, but what about the consequence you're going to pay before you get there? You might wish you were dead. So understand, God no, said he's not just going to judge the world man he's going to judge the church people in the church that do these things amen I say but I burn pastor and you need to fulfill that biblically in marriage to understand And if you are struggling as a couple in this area, as a married couple, you need to talk to me. Because I need to help you find fulfillment in that relationship. Because if I don't, you'll find it outside. Okay? And the Holy Ghost is in me, and I love every one of you. I've sat in my office and I've looked at you know in the past. How's it going in your marriage life? In your sexuality? Oh, it's great, and it wasn't great. I was lying to you, and it will create huge problems for you. If you're going to get married, make sure both of you have an appetite. Because if you don't, it will be an ongoing nightmare. If you're a woman and you don't have an appetite, don't get married. If you're a man and you don't have an appetite, don't get married. Don't put that man through that. Don't put that woman through that. Don't do it. Best thing you can do is be celibate for the rest of your life. You understand your pastor. Having problems in this area, you need to talk to me before it ends up in a shipwreck. I'll do my best to help you. Save you. Okay? I don't need you. Not in rioting and drunkenness. Self explanatory. That means intentional intoxication. Next one chambering goes with again sexual promiscuity. It's amazing how much God spends time on sexuality. Chambering means sexual promiscuity. The word chambering means the bed. In the area of the bed there should be no sexual promiscuity. And wantonness wantonness shameless excess want in shameless excess. No restraint in the mind. It's not just the physical action he's talking about here. It's the battle that goes on in the mind. It is a casting off of all restraints. It's excess. It's your mind, your thoughts are giving to the wrong people. not just the action. It's where you and I allow our minds to go. No restraint. Just cast off all restraint. man. And then he goes on, not strife. <laughs> strife? Interesting, isn't it? He would put this kind of uh, sin in there. Strife? That I means just you know, bickering all the time. Just, Some people oh, we want to fight all the time. They want to bicker all the time. You know what I mean? Brothers and sisters, we are sons of peace. And the scripture says, they are for war. But I am for peace. There are some people you can't make peace with. You are for peace, but they are for war. And they are constantly fighting, bickering all the time. strife. The word strife means not just to fuss and fight and to bicker, but it means I want my way. And because I want what I want, I'll do anything to get my way. That's strife. That means it doesn't matter what the Bible says. If they can't have their way, they'll create destruction. God says on Judgment Day, those people in the church are going to be judged for. Now, we're going to judge it before we ever stand there. In our own life, envying, envying, selfish ambition, right, jealousy. But he says, but put you on the Lord Jesus Christ. Make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Put him on. Don't make provision for the lust of the flesh. Understand we're standing in light. Everything is open and naked before him with whom we have to do. He doesn't just know what we do, what we say. He knows what we think. We need God. You can make it through life without committing sexual sin. In These days, I would say in any day, it's a miracle. Only a Christian will do it. You have to have the power of the living God in you. You have to put your... Jesus on. I'm tough. I'm strong. Really? How strong are you? If somebody. I'm going to ask you a question. If somebody pursues you. You're a woman. And a man pursues you. I'm not going to say. Oh ugly. Ugly man. God don't send no ugly men. But he says, "I mean, the enemy sends." I say, "God, the devil don't send ugly men. What he sends you, you know, you're a woman. He Sends you the man of your dreams. He pursues you. You think you'll be strong enough to say no? He know. He knows. He knows how to talk. He knows how to say all the right words. Amen." Who was honest? And they said, <laughs> You need to get right. You need to get right. <laughs> Okay, so, all right, all right. So, so you're a man, you know, you're a man. You're real strong. You're a real strong Christian, right? But what if, I mean, the woman of your dreams. And listen, man, they're out there, both men and women. They are out there. They're they, some they something else, man. I'm telling you, it's something else. Okay? But I'm strong enough to resist that. Put you on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh, man. Don't open the door because you are not strong enough. I'm telling you, the moment you start thinking, I'm strong enough, I can say no. Come on in for a minute. Not in your life. You don't even answer the door. You send bullets through it. don't kill anybody and then you go to jail and you say well pastor told me to shoot through the door <laughs> no man I'm not that's not going to stand up in the court of law <laughs> yeah, look, at, look at your head and say I'm weak I'm weak I'm weak I am weak dude we all weak every one of us are weak okay But so we have to really deal with it strongly and understand that if we lose in this battle, we lose the battle of life. It doesn't mean that God won't forgive you, but you will have a lot of trouble, a lot of problems, even survive. Amen. So very quickly in the next chapter, 14 through 15, he deals with the that was in the church and between the strong and the weak. And basically what he's dealing with in these chapters here is he's, he's talking about, it's not a general thing now, it's more specific. Okay? So him that is weak in the faith, receive ye, but not to doubtful dispositions. For one believeth that he may eat all things, another who is weak eateth herbs. Let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not, and let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth for God hath received him. Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? his own master he standeth and falleth yea okay, he shall be holding up for God is able to make him stand right then he deals with days one man esteems one day above another another esteemeth every day alike okay so you get the point all right look at verse 21 it is good neither to eat flesh nor to drink wine nor anything wherein by thy brother stomach or is offended or is made weak okay so very quickly I'm just going to tell you what's in these passages Paul is dealing with divisions that are in the church based on the weaker and the stronger brother. In that day, Jews and Gentiles. Jews would observe the dietary laws. They would say to the Gentile, you shouldn't be eating pork. And the Gentile says, I don't have any problem eating that. So there was difference between the Jews and the Gentiles. What the Jews would eat and what the Gentiles would eat. In relation to the dietary laws. And then the Gentiles, some Gentiles, who were converted out of idolatry, they would go at six o'clock in the morning, they would take meat and they would cut the meat, the best cuts of meat at six o'clock in the morning. They cut the animal up and the best cuts of meat. They would take them and offer them to the idols of that local temple. Between 8 and 9 o'clock. The best cuts of meat. And then they would take those best cuts of meat after 9 o'clock in the morning and take them back to the marketplace and sell them. And the Gentile who was delivered from idolatry, he would go in there and he would see these best cuts of meat at an extremely discounted price. And he would say, I can't eat that because it was offered to idols. But the strong brother says, I can eat it. It's nothing but meat. The weak brother says, I can't eat it because that was offered to idols. And so in the areas of the dietary laws and the areas of, of the food offered to idols, there was a battle in the church and, and the, the strong brother said, I can do it, no problem. The weak brother said, I can't do it. It violates my conscience. Amen? And, and then certain days would come the, the Sabbath day, the festivals of the Lord, the Jews would say, we need to keep them. And the Gentiles say, well, I believe that was fulfilled by Jesus Christ. And so there was a difference concerning days. What days to observe. And so it was creating division in the church. And some people get together and say, I can drink wine. And others will say, I can't drink wine. Amen. Amen. So these were the specific things that was Paul was dealing with and what he was saying in the area of non-moral question things. In the areas where we differ, it says, number one, the way we respond to this is don't judge our brothers because judgment, we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. So we are not to judge each other in the area of non-moral question things. Things that God doesn't say in His Word is wrong or right. Things that we just differ on. It doesn't mean that we are exempt for everything that is essential in the Word of God. But the things that God hasn't dealt with in His Word that we differ on. We are not to judge each other. And I'll, amen. And it's specific here. It's meat. And it's days. And it's wine. Very specific things he's talking about. But he gives us a principle. Hallelujah. Every one of you are going to differ a little bit on certain things. Where the word of God doesn't address, you know, It whatever it is. And you are free to exercise your conscience. For some of you, you would have a problem playing pool because you were delivered out of the pool hall. Another brother don't have no play, no problem playing pool because it doesn't remind him of where he was brought out of. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm just talking about just What style of music you listen to? One brother said, I can't listen to that fast music, rock and roll music. I can't listen to that. You know, another said, I don't have a no problem with it. I mean, it just glorifies Christ. Do you understand what I'm saying? But it it's an area of difference. One sister says, I can't wear heels. Another sister says, I can wear heels. These are just things that you differ in. I understand. God hadn't addressed them. Non-moral question things. But again, if God has addressed them in the Word, then we have to abide by the Word of God. And God has addressed the way that we should dress. He has addressed certain days that we should not participate in. You can't take these and apply them to everything and say, well, you know, one day differs from another or whatever, you know? One observes the day, another doesn't observe the day and everybody observes. Them. So they say, okay well, we can adju- we, we can we can observe the pagan holidays, really? The pagan holidays haven't lost their paganness. So I'm telling you is that the Word of God does address your dress. It does address your hair. It does address makeup. It does address jewelry. It addresses all of these things. It it addresses pagan holidays, so on and so forth. He has specifically talked about in the context what is different. I will say again: If God's word addresses it, you follow the word of God. If it doesn't address it, then you are free to do it. Hallelujah. Non-moral question things. So when I look out here and I see the way you dress, that's biblical. It's not a non-moral issue. Does it make sense? Okay. So, what God does, He says, don't judge each other in the area of things that you differ in. Right? But He also says, verse 13 through 23 in chapter 14, don't tempt other people. If you're strong in this context, if you're strong and you can eat the meat offered to idols and say thanks to God for it and it doesn't violate your conscience. good but don't sit there in front of your brother who's weak and he doesn't feel he can eat that meat because it was offered to idols. and you're sitting there cutting your steak and you're looking at it you stupid idiot man I got this ribeye steak for two dollars today you're over here eating a you know Why are you why are you eating that? Well you could be eating this prime rib. No, you have to take into consideration that's a weaker brother sitting across from you. Don't rub it in his face. Don't tempt him to violate his conscience. Say praise the Lord. Do they understand? So we don't judge each other on those things that we differ. We don't tempt others to fall. And in chapter 15 verses 1 through 13. That Paul talks about it. Christ is. The heart of our fellowship. Amen. We should be willing to sacrifice. For each other. We shouldn't destroy the work of God. Just so we could have our way. Look at it verse. Amen. can read this. You'll see what I'm saying there. Okay. Verse 19. Let us therefore follow after things which make for peace. Things wherewith we may edify another. For, For me destroy not. That's what I'm looking for. For me destroy not the work of God. All things are indeed pure but it is evil for that man who eateth with offense. In your liberty and your freedom to do things in the area that you differ on, don't indulge to the point that you're destroying the work of God. Don't tear down the work of God so you can indulge. Always keep in mind, how is this affecting the word of God, the work of God? Am I destroying it to have my way? Now again, it's things that you just differ in, non-moral question things that haven't been addressed in the Word of God. So we don't judge each other, but we don't tempt each other either. Because you might cause your brother to stumble. Okay. Wine, the area of wine. He's already addressed intoxication in chapter 13. We're not drunken. So we know we can't drink wine to excess to the point of drunkenness. But maybe one brother feels okay. I'm, You know, I drink one glass of wine. It's not, I'm not going to get drunk on it. It's good for my health. It's good for my blood. Resveratrol that's in it, it's great. Hallelujah. What you drinking that wine for? Resveratrol. What in the world is that? That's good for the brother. Good for the blood, brother. You don't know about resveratrol. Hallelujah. Amen. I drink these little packages. Got a hundred. Got, it's got so much resveratrol in it it's like I'll take drinking 150 glasses of wine hallelujah and I told the sister that I bought it from I said now I'm gonna take this but am I is it gonna you know is it gonna hit me like 150 glasses of wine she said oh no I said give me give it give it to me man I'll buy it amen Well, I mean, maybe one brother, you know, one pastor one preacher asked me we over there Brazos, what I thought about wine. He was older than me. he's in mystery a long time. He's going, what do you we think about wine I said, well, you know the priesthood wasn't supposed to drink wine. And we're in the priesthood. but let's just say you know that's one of them different things, different points. You might be surprised to know that when the Bible talks about and use the term wine, some people like, say, that's just grape juice. No, it's the real deal. And they diluted it. Okay, in that culture, they diluted it down with water, so it wasn't as strong. But when the when the Bible, when Jesus turned water to wine, you know what kind of wine he turned it into? Real deal. It wasn't just grape juice, honey, child juice, or fruit, sugar plum. It was the real deal. You didn't know that, did you? I shouldn't have told you. You go to you go to lunch now. They say, "Would you like the wine list?" Sure, sure, man. Give me some of that resveratol. Hallelujah. I didn't take my package today. Okay, so maybe you know. I do know this, oh, it's not putting its approval on, on intoxicating beverages. Okay, I just, I know that. But I, but is it possible that you could drink a little wine for the stomach, for medicinal purposes or whatever, and not be in violation of the scripture? I would say yes, it is. Okay. But you start getting a little tipsy. Yeah, you, you definitely crossed the line. So if you got a problem with, with drinking, you know, if that was your problem in the past. You don't want to touch the stuff. Because what well, we know, it. you know, you drank the whole bottle. Okay? Everybody with me? But let's just say we're just talking about one deal of wine. Well, see, a Nazarite couldn't even touch the fruit of the vine. So in one sense, if I got people that are really, really, you know, trying to be careful to be like a Nazarite vow, real real separated into God, you don't want to touch the fruit of the vine. See, that would even include grape juice for the Okay, so anyway, the point being is this if you could drink a glass of wine, that's it. And a whole glass. Give me one of them big old I want a big goat. Nah. You know, you go to one of those those sampling wine places. Let me sample that one. Yeah, I can sample that one too. And then, oh yeah, that, that oh yeah, I like this one better than that one. Yeah, oh, give me some. Let me try that one. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you got you to learn how to smell it. Okay. So anyway, if you could, if you could drink if you could drink maybe half a glass, and if, you know some of you some of you could drink a half a glass, and you're
1: whoo.
0: okay. And it doesn't violate your conscience. I would say you're probably not, you know, sinning. Okay, but I just I stay away from it. I stay away from it. I even stay away from the tea. But. But maybe I'm getting strong enough now. Maybe I'm not as weak as I used to be, and I'm getting strong enough now, and I can have some kombachi tea. When I walk by the refrigerator, every time I don't know what it is. Every time I walk by the refrigerator, there's kombachi tea right there. And Sister Christine says, "There's some kibachi tea." I said, "I know. I got to get away from there. It's calling my name." Y'all know what kambatchi tea is? It's right. It's fermented tea. You know, it's, it doesn't have a lot of punch to it. I mean, I've never got drunk on kombucha tea. I told you I went and bought a bunch of kombucha tea, right? I drank one. I was supposed to drink like one a day. I drank one, then I drank another one. Then I found out, man, that stuff's like I got alcohol almost in it, you know, like alcohol in it. You better cut back, dude. So I think some wine's sort of like kombucha tea, right?
1: Really.
0: So I don't, I don't do kombucha tea. I'll let you know when I get strong enough to do kombucha tea. I know y'all do it all the time. You drink about much tea, don't you? That's all <laughs> but I mean, realistically, biblically, this is one of these things where we could differ. Okay, you know, all right. Okay, so I think I think you get the point, point. and I could go down a long list of. What we deal with in our culture right now is what I should do, what I shouldn't do. You know, I mean, it's it really good. But I, I want to leave it specific today for the sake of time that he's dealing with meat-offered idols, or different kinds of meat between Jews and Gentiles, clean and unclean meats. Can I eat meat that was offered to an idol if I go and buy it from the store and sanctify it by prayer? No problem. But for a weak brother, that would be a problem because he came out of idolatry. And he knows what they did with the meat before. Okay? Yes, amen. Right? You ever got the point? So, what do we do? We don't judge each other in the area of differences, but we also don't cause our brothers to stumble with our liberty. If we know a brother or sister is struggling with certain things in their life, we're not going to flaunt it on them. Okay? Hallelujah. Say praise the Lord. Verse 21 is good neither to eat flesh nor drink wine, nor anything whereby thy brother stumbleth, or is offended, or is made weak. Hast thou faith? Have it to thyself before God. Happy is he that condemneth not himself in that thing which he alloweth. And he that is doubted, he that doubteth is damned if he eat, because he eateth not of faith. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. So even if it's not wrong, and you do it, but it's wrong to you, it becomes sin to you. Because it was wrong to you. It violated your conscience. Okay? So you see the guidelines here. We don't judge each other. We We don't tempt each other with it. We don't cause each other to stumble. We don't destroy the work of God for our freedom on any level. And if we do it and it violates our conscience, it becomes sin to us because to us, in our minds, Amen? And then ultimately, verse seven of chapter five, wherefore, receive ye one another as Christ also received us to glory. Jesus Christ, the son of God, is the basis of our fellowship. And he was willing to sacrifice for you. He's willing to sacrifice for me. I should be willing to sacrifice for my brother. Okay, We're not going to break off fellowship with each other because somebody different differs from. On non moral question issues. I'm not going to break off my fellowship with Brother Jared if he's pre tribulational and I'm post tribulational. It doesn't affect my salvation right now. So there's just some things we differ on. Okay? Hallelujah! You don't quit the church because your pastor's pro tribulational and you're pre tribulational. You don't do that. That's stupid. That's just something we differ, right? Amen. Doesn't affect your salvation, at least right now. Everybody awake. But right. well, we have clear teaching on hair, dress, church, attendance. See, again, some people say, well, one man seemeth the day, another uh, seemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. So I don't believe I've got to go to church on Sunday. Well, Hebrews 10: 25 says forsake not the assembly of yourself together as the manner of some is so much more so as you see that day approaching so you can't put that in this verse and say I'm free not to go to church because Paul say you know because no big deal again why because we have clear scriptural teachings Men in the church is gathering together we should gather together I say praise the Lord hallelujah well I'm strong enough not to go to church I'm going to do my own home thing I'm going to do my home thing okay I'll do my own little prayer meeting well you got to be careful because if you're bypassing divine authority that might be strange fire in the eyes of God Almighty. Your prayer meeting and your home meeting or whatever, wherever you meet might have the judgment of God on you because you're in rebellion against divine authority. Woo! Okay, so... You all right? All right. Okay, so the first thing you got to do on anything, you've got to go to the Word of God and what the Word of God say? for a long time and i know i'm getting long with it but for a long time i put the pagan holidays in that passage they said you're free people differ on it so you're free to do it until i found in the word of god in the book of isaiah you are absolutely forbidden to celebrate the holiday that's connected to sun god and you are it is not a non-moral issue it is a moral issue for not to celebrate it and when i found that in isaiah i said we done with christmas because I've got the Bible now for getting me to do it. Say amen. Hallelujah. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm not a wacko. The way I dress is in the Bible. What I do with my hair is in the Bible. And i mean talking about not cutting it. Okay, so we got, you know, we got Sister Audra up here today. She's got a, a nice ponytail. And we got Sister Asia over here. She's got a nice perm going on, you know. And, and, huh? Well, whatever you want to, I mean, I I mean, I mean, you know, I mean, you know. Okay, a permanent perm? Does that mean the curl? What? Okay. Well, all right, so anyway, okay, so let me just put it to you this way. I oh, want to get out of this trouble. Is that if she permed her hair, and she doesn't because it's just naturally that way, okay? You say, well, I don't think we ought to do that. I don't think we ought to put chemicals on our hair because it's going to burn it right off. And I said, that's probably true. You probably don't want to do that because it'll burn it off. But you see, if she can perm her hair and not do any damage to her hair, but you say, no, I think I'll just leave mine straight. She could, so, there's a difference here. One thinks they can perm their hair, feels okay with it. the other one, doesn't feel okay with perming the hair. That's what I'm talking about. Styles. Right? Okay. So, Jasmine's got her hair on the top of her head today. So, one sister goes to church, she lets it flow. Another sister puts it on top of it. I think she ought to put it up there on top of the head. I don't think she ought to let it be free flowing like that. I'm like, that's what prostitutes do. They let their hair free flow. You know what I mean? Come on, man. I mean, it could get that that crazy. You know what I'm saying? All right? You see that sister today? She didn't have no hose on. I can't believe she bared her ankle like that. It's unbelievable the way they bare their ankles these days. Ever made. you see all them men looking at her ankle? How dare her! Not wearing no pantyhose. My goodness, what this world coming to? Church is gone. Yeah, we need to talk to the pastor. Church getting liberal. Okay, so you know what I'm saying you know what I mean come on man it could get so crazy some churches would tell the women they couldn't shave their legs where's that in the bible you better not shave your legs that's of the devil we got to roll around here you better shave them You know what I mean? Okay. Alright, so again, these are just things we differ on and then you have the air of makeup, right? Some people feel like they can cake it on three inches deep. <laughs> Some people feel like they can spray a little. Okay? Here's what I say. It's a normal question issue. If you use something you know, spray or whatever. Whatever. To cover blemishes, it's all right. I don't have a problem with that. Amen. But it's when you make yourself up. and You know what I'm talking about. Hallelujah. But to cover a blemish, I don't have a problem with that. And then some sisters asked me recently, they got some kind of thing you, thing you can spray on now, you know. You don't have to mud it on. Just spray it on. I said, as long as it don't cover the glory, as long as it doesn't cover the natural beauty. Okay? You know, I said, oh, no, Pastor, this is designed. This is designed to let the natural face shine through. <laughs> I said, okay, okay, sister, no problem, man. You know, <laughs> S- Sister BB told me the other day, I said, this will let the natural beauty shine through. I said, go for it, dude, hallelujah, I don't have no problem. You know, I don't have any scripture to say. Said, oh, no, you shouldn't do that. She said, I don't have a Bible. When so we get in this man, we just start just, just splitting hairs on it. Crazy stuff. Hallelujah. Amen. Okay. So if you if you want to stay completely away from the spray, the natural the natural beauty shine through. Stay away from it. Hallelujah. If you can feel you, if you feel okay, if you can spray and be okay, just don't let the sister that can't spray and be okay and not be okay. No and they're going to go. <laughs> you got some of that spray. Oh. So I asked Sister B.B., I said, hey, Sister B.B., I said, are you wearing that spray right now? She said, yeah. I said, well, I can't tell. Okay. Case closed. Amen. Amen? The area of hair. The Bible says a woman shouldn't cut her hair. A man should cut his off, right? Well, I don't care if you call me back like, you know, whatever your name is. Born and raised in the church, they don't even know your name. (laughs) You know, or you want to wear it like Brother Jared, you know what I mean? Oh, whatever, that's your deal, man. Now, just don't, but, but then again. There's again, biblical guidelines on the hair. You're not supposed to cut it off where there's like a circle, you know, where you, where you put a bowl on your head and shave everything and just leave the top. you got to be careful with that. I, I tell Jeremiah, you know, leave a little bit on the side, man, because I don't want you to be a pagan. Right? Come on, man. you got to lose a little common sense. Some of you guys in here start wearing mohawks. Well, they the Bible tell you. Okay, well then you have to understand there's a principle in the Word of God and that is your pastor sets the guidelines. And if your pastor sets a guideline, even though he don't have Bible for it, you better obey your pastor. Because if you don't obey your pastor, you know, then it's a different line. But I'm gonna, I promise you, I'm going to do my very best not to go above and beyond this Scripture and compromise with it either. Okay? But if I tell you, I don't want you cutting letters in your head. I don't want you putting your name in your head. Big old T on the side. Big old T. You put red hot. Red hot T. Now I'm probably going to say something about that. And you better not rebel. Well, show me that. Show me the scripture verse, Pastor. I can't put red hot tea on my sh- shave it in my head. I'm your pastor. You better not rebel. Okay. So that's another line. You have to obey your pastor. So if you go to, if you go to a church and they they have they they don't accept jewelry on any level. That means no wedding rings. The Bible guidelines for jewelry is if it serves a purpose. Watch. serves a purpose. It's a timepiece. Some you don't have, you know. Blinds the brethren. It serves a purpose. It's a timepiece. To me, rings, wedding rings serve a purpose. They show the bond of marriage. I don't have a problem with that. But there's some churches you go to say no wedding rings. The Bible guideline for me, though, is does it serve a purpose? One sister in the Lord recently told me. I said, "You know, I thought I thought they were like engaged or something." I said, "That ring right there. Are you engaged to somebody, or is that a promise ring?" She said, "No, no, no. I just think it's pretty." And I said, "Well, it don't serve a purpose, you know." And I'm I'm jumping to the conclusion that they to get married. And and so I said, "No." I said, "Well, then it doesn't serve a purpose." She said, "Yes, it does. It's pretty." Man, that's. <laughs> anyway, the Bible guidelines that the jewelry serves a purpose, all right? It has to be functional, not just for ornamentation. Now, nah, we got both. Okay, so let me get off this. I need to go on, right? But I think you get the point. You have to always go by what the Word of God is, the standard. Essentials are still essentials, these are specific things that He talks about in the areas that. To be different in but we are always to receive one other. we are to love each other receive each other hallelujah praise God are you awake? okay I've been looking at I've looked at this for a long time man what you can put in here what you can't put in here these are pretty solid these are pretty solid okay everybody with me? So, look at your neighbor again and say, We're not wacko. They think we are, but we're not wacko. The way you dress is not. Nice. Okay? They think you are. They think you fell off the wagon, man. <laughs> right? Okay. So again, you keep reading chapter 15 and we receive one another and the principle is that Jesus Christ is the basis of our fellowship. And we're going to differ on some things. Really not a lot though. Not a lot. There's some pastors will not let you play sports. I don't have a problem with that. To me, it's a non-moral issue. But if you go to that church and that pastor says no wedding rings, you better not wear them. If you go to that church and that pastor says no athletics, no football, you better not do it because you're under his care. okay. You don't want to rebel against a pastor on any level, even if it's in the area of things you didn't mind. I try to be real careful in this area, amen, not to compromise, you, but to give you liberty in some things in life that you can enjoy. It. And there's no reason why you shouldn't enjoy it. Okay? Somebody said amen <clears throat> Now, I do try to steer you away from football. I know Nathaniel out, right? he's in football because of the concussion situation, you know. But that's your decision as a mom, right? And, and your son. And I'm not going to say you can't do that. But it does concern me that he's going to take hits like that. But you can take hits in soccer, too. So you just got to make some decisions, whatever you feel comfortable with. They're not moral issues. Okay? Amen. Okay. everybody awake? I feel good. You know, you know. I remember when I was younger. I was listening to a man. He wasn't Pentecostal man. He wouldn't wear underarm deodorant. He preached against you know cologne and underarm deodorant. He was Pentecostal, right? We require it here. <laughs> okay. It, it, it don't you know we don't mind you bathing bathing with with uh, Esther. Esther had sweet and bitter things she bathed in. Nothing wrong with that. Put a little lotion on. A little cologne, not excess. You know what I mean? And definitely put on underarm deodorant. Hallelujah. Take a bath. Wash your hair. Nothing wrong with that. Shave your legs. I guess if the men want to shave their legs, they can too. I ain't into that, but... I'm not into that yet until I get up there in the bodybuilding competitions. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You know, I'm kidding, man. You know, I'm just kidding. Hallelujah. Let's spray some tan on me. What you got? I got the spray tan. Well, see, that's another thing, too, that could be asked. You'll say, well, is spray tan, is that a makeup? I'm not going to get into that, man. You want to spray a little color on there? Just, you know, anyway, hallelujah, whatever. Whatever. If you don't want to do that, don't do it. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord God. Are you okay? You okay? Woo! All right, and then chapter 16, Paul closes out, and I'm going to let you go. After chapter 15, after he deals with the normal question issues, then he talks about his plans for the ministry. You can read about that on your own. He had a desire to go see them in Rome. He said, I'm going to go to Spain. On my way to Spain, I'll come to see you. That was his plan, all right? Chapter 16, what does he closes the letter out? And uh, he talks about various saints that helped him in the ministry. He talked about various saints that were in the kingdom of God. What you need to understand, as I come to a close, is that these various people that he wrote and commended and talked about that were in the church there were from all kinds of nationalities. Amen. They were not a monolithic society where they only went to the place that people liked them. So I love this church. It's so it's multicultural. We, we do not pastor this church based on the color of a person's skin. Amen. And I, and I thank God. I commend all of you, you know, brethren, you know. You know, and say, so, well, I need to go to, to, to my kind of church. You know what I'm saying? Not, what's that about? I mean, I don't, I don't understand that because I don't think like that. You know what I'm saying? But I think that this is a multicolored cultural church. We have a desire to reach out to various cultures in, in China, Asia and in Zambia and Mexico. Wherever the whole world, really, okay, we are not a monolithic society, which means we only go to the place people like us. We come. We're from different nationalities, different cultural backgrounds, different sociological backgrounds, economic backgrounds, educational backgrounds. We come together as the body of Christ. Different occupational backgrounds. All come together, the body of Christ, different in those things, but we make up the one body of Christ. And when Paul closes this letter out, you might be surprised that not only was a cultural, uh, different types of nationalities and cultures, so on and so forth. A third of the names that are recorded here are women. Amen. Showing that at this point women became significant played significant roles in the church. When Jesus Christ came into the world, he was the greatest liberator of women that ever the greatest man that liberated man that woman ever lived. Jesus Christ, he liberated women. They were nothing but property before Jesus came. Now in the Hebrew nation they weren't, they were more. But in Rome, in cities like that, they were nothing more than property to be owned. Jesus Christ liberated you third of the people he talked to. He he called them by name. A third of them were women, brother. And not only that, but Phoebe, the one who took the letter uh, to the Roman church from Corinth, Acts 18, verse 18, when Paul was in Corinth, he wrote the book of Romans and he put it in the hands of Phoebe, a deaconess of the church. And Phoebe delivered the book of Romans from Corinth to the Roman church. And the Bible calls her a servant in verse 1 servant to the church in Centuria. That's in Corinth. The word servant there is deacon. God made room for a woman to be a deacon in the church. And then to to, to really just blow some of you right out of the water today. And those of you who say, I don't believe in women preachers. Just to blow you right out of the water today. Look at verse 7. Salute Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen, my fellow prisoners, who are of note among the what apostles, who are also in Christ. Be for me. Junia is a female name. That means he called her an apostle. She was a woman. Okay. Again, there's some churches. Pastor goes, you're familiar, right, with some churches that believe women preachers, right? Yeah, you're familiar with that. I am too, okay? And that's fine. If that's the leadership, that's what they want to do. That's their deal, right? But but for me, I, I believe I've got biblical grounds women in ministry. It's rare. You're rare, Pastor Mosa. this and, Rosa. and Elvis, you all are very rare, very rare. But I try to work with that. Amen? I try to work with that. And I believe that I have the uh, word of God to do that. Say amen. We go to the church, though. The pastor doesn't believe in women preachers or women's deacons. You've got to let the pastor be the pastor. do not fight him on it. All right. Say amen. <clears throat> so these are just a few things I wanted to point out to you. In chapter 17, verse 13, 17 through 19, he gives a warning to the church. Now, I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. Now, today they would call you a cult. If I stood up there and I told you, now you need to avoid them because they're causing divisions, okay? And offenses, and it's contrary to the doctrine that you know. And I told you to avoid them, they would call me a cult, and they do. Because I tell you to avoid certain people, right? But I have Bible for it. But That's a real, that's a real uh, rare thing. Stay away from that person because you got freedom. There's some people that are dangerous. You gotta stay away from them. And I, as your pastor will tell you, you better stay away from that. It's not a good situation. I don't like to do that. Okay. I really don't. I told you not long ago that I don't have anything to do with my 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 family on my side, except my mom I do. My brother and my sister-in-law. I not Told you that. Remember? Six years. I haven't had anything to do with them. You know why? Because they tried to destroy my daughter. Okay. In the sense that they tried to help her, thinking that they were helping her, they were facilitating her destruction. And I told, I told them, to, you don't get into this, man. That's my daughter. If you're helping her to destroy herself, I want nothing to do with you." She came back, she's in the church, thank God. And right after I told you that after six years, my sister-in-law called me. She said, I will use apology. I said, I'm gonna tell you something. I'm not gonna ride this horse into the ground. There's no need for it. I accept your apology. You you do something wrong, even if it's even if it's against me or my family, do something. You come and apologize. I'm not going to rub it in your face. You come and apologize. I'm going to tell you something. you ever apologize to me, that's the easiest thing you'll ever do. Because I'll look at you and say, I accept your apology. And I won't make you feel bad. I won't try to make you feel bad. I might address the situation to correct it, but not to make you feel bad. So if you ever offend me, I'm telling you, the easiest thing you'll ever do is to come to me and say, I apologize. I'll accept it, okay? Because that's what the Bible calls us to do. So there's some people, though, you better stay away from because they're dangerous. They'll mess your head up. They'll mess your kids up. Right? Their life, their life they're not repentant. They're not remorseful for some very destructive things that they have done. And, you know, whether you understand it or not, is I'm gonna tell you I you ought to be around. Here, because I love you. Okay, say praise the Lord. Okay. Amen. Somebody repents, and, if, and again if it's your family member, I'm not gonna tell you to get stay away from your family member. That's your decision, not mine. I give you freedom to decide what you want to do with your family members. In some cases you've got to be careful. Okay, amen. Now, I'm not the wacko that some people try to make me out to be. Or the Great cult leader that makes you drink Kool-Aid every day. They have agendas. They have their motives. Okay. It's funny how they'll point a finger at me and say, "You're a control freak." They're more control freak than I am. (laughs) Yeah, they got their agendas. Okay, so Amen but I promise you if they came they told me pastor I apologize they said pastor I want to apologize to the church I said yeah you can and very rare occasions very rare occasions I might not let them back in the house depending on the destruction that they left behind might not let them back in okay but I still give them the opportunity to get right always 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 okay hallelujah that's what we're supposed to do. Amen. Okay. So I'm just telling you, honest with you. You ever offend me, the easiest thing you'll ever do is say, "I apologize." It's it. so, Done with. Good. We'll go forward. That's the way I handle it with my, with my, my uh, uh, sister-in-law, Victoria. You didn't know that, but it happened. You know. So. I don't know, maybe they even might come eat Thanksgiving with us after six years. But I am very careful when I let danger walk into my house. You understand what I'm saying? i got to make sure it's real, too, because i got another son. He's 17 years of age, and he has a problem. I for sure don't want them having a relationship with him and him having a place to run to and read the short. You understand what I'm telling you? Okay, come on, man. Some of it's common sense. You can, call me, you can call me names all you want to. But, uh, I live in reality. And I hope you do too. Okay? Amen. Okay? So, a warning. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. And by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. For your obedience has come abroad unto all men. I am glad, therefore, on your behalf... But yet I would have you wise unto that which is good and simple concerning that which is evil. That a powerful statement. What a powerful warning. Those are some guidelines we need to remember. Amen. I think one thing too, again, at the end here, uh, I would have you wise unto that which is good and simple concerning that concerning evil. You want to be careful about studying too much about the occult. You really do. And there's some probably just nailed Pastor goes today in the culture, and they deal with that a lot, right? So they probably really know what's going on there. Um, but you have to be careful. Say just a saint, you know, I want to familiarize myself with the occult, and witchcraft, and all of that. You be very careful. When you start reading those books, and they can bring oppression and darkness on your life. You can't handle it. You don't know what to do with it. If you get in a situation that somebody's demon-possessed, you don't know how to handle it, you can cause yourself some problems. You might even backslide over it. Okay. So, Paul says, Again, I would have you wise into that which is good and simple concerning evil. God doesn't want you to know about all the evil. Amen. Okay? You don't spend a lot of time teaching and preaching on the occult. You know what suit, what is suit saying? What is Uh, astral projection all of those various things I've taught you before what they are We don't spend a lot of time on I've got more important things to preach to you okay hallelujah everybody understand that if I sit up here and preach on the occult all the time I'm going to have a certain kind of people man you're going to be strange people dude okay I'm just telling you that's all you do all the time you study the occult Study those dark things, dark, you know, magic, dark stuff. That's all you study. You're gonna be a wacko, dude. God doesn't want you to always be into that kind of stuff, right? Are you with me? Well, what about these haunted houses? Are they real? Do, do, do ghosts really live there? You know, let's go get our meters out, ghost indicators out, find out. I have a sister in the Lord here today in the church. You know, in her office, they they have a some light. It's like a ghost that walks around there, turns on faucets and stuff. You know, and uh, I, they got a name for it, too. Yeah. Hallelujah! I'll find. I wish I remember the name, but I don't want to expose the sister in the Lord. But anyway, they got a name for this, and they will walk by. And the office man said, Did "You see him? Did you see him walk by? Yeah, I saw him. I saw him walk by. He turned the faucet on. You hear?" Him? You know, so they got like a ghost in there or something, you know. So I told, told the sister in the Lord, I said, i tell you what. so said, that's going on. I said, that's easy. Okay. I don't want a big show. I'm not looking for a show. I don't want all the office people when I do this in there to see this because it's not a show. I said, I'll go in there and I'll take authority over that spirit, send it out the door. Amen. Amen. Plead the blood of Jesus on it. Clean that thing out if it's there and we'd be done with it. But I don't want a show. Do it after hours. Amen? I'm going to give the devil a show. I'm not going to advertise his stupidity. You. So you got something going Pastor, there's something funny going on in our house. Man, my clock, my clock was beside my bed. I got up this morning. And he was over on the cabinet. And I don't know how I got there. Did you ask your husband if he moved it? <laughs> you know what I mean? Billy? Billy, did you move the clock, Billy? I mean, you know, ask Billy if you move the clock before you come and tell me you got a demon in your house moving the clock around. <laughs> okay. And some of y'all are just paranoid, man. Paranoid. not like my pastor trying to knock the bug off. But it's a spirit. Spirit's everywhere, man. Spirit's everywhere. Spirit's everywhere. Spirit's everywhere. You know? Come on, man. I'm more focused on Jesus and His kingdom. The move of God. Preaching the word of God. Delivering people. Delivering people from those things by preaching the gospel to them so they can be redeemed by the blood of Jesus, be born again, and be set free from those things. That's where my focus is.
1: Hallelujah.
0: Mm Amen. I'm not looking for a devil in every corner. Right? Okay, I know y'all are tired. But anyway, that's what chapter 16 deals with. A list of people we've gone in the past, we've gone through name by name by name. And showed you that even some of these people, when the highest was in the Roman palace, they were in royalty, and got converted to the faith. Okay. So after he after he gives the warning, uh, then he gives a do- doxology, chapter twenty, or verse twenty. And God, of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet. Shortly, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. And then he talks about some more leaders in the church, verse twenty-four. The, the doxology. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Now to him that is the power. Establish you according to my gospel. And the preaching of Jesus Christ. According to the revelation of the mystery. Which was kept secret since the world began. But now is made manifest by the scriptures of the prophets. According to the commandment. The everlasting God. Made known to all nations for obedience of the faith. To God only wise be glory through Jesus Christ. Forever. Amen. He closes with a doxology. He begins with the gospel of God. He closes with the gospel of God so on and so forth and it's for the obedience of the faith. I pray this has been a blessing to you. The book of Romans would you stand? Father God thank you for this opportunity Lord God to, to preach, teach your word Father. I pray that your people would take time to read over the verses that we have covered today and help us to live according to this great gospel. Let us live lives according to this great gospel. Lord Jesus, I pray right now that you would set a person free today that is in the clutch of the enemy. Deliver them, God, I pray. I thank you, Father, for the word of God today. I thank you for the warning that you give us, the instruction that you give us, the knowledge that you give us. Help us to be wise good citizens, good neighbors, good fellow brethren to the saints. The areas of things that differ, thank you, God, for giving us understanding. We are to receive one another in these areas. Father, we thank you today that as the day of the Lord approaches, we would cleanse ourselves and understand that you are going to come to your temple. And let us be able to stand in the light in that day. Father, we pray in the mighty name of Jesus that we would be obedient to the faith. Thank you for the gospel, the good news of salvation that you have provided for us and the life that it brings. In Jesus' name we pray.
1: Amen. And amen.